very important events, often heralded by some sort of painting or elaborate ceremony. We expect it. It draws attention to something significant. Openings of new parliaments happen, and visits to special dignitaries happen. A huge international fanfare and an elaborate ceremony took place in July last year at the Tokyo Olympic Games. During the opening ceremony, lights like fireworks lit up the stadium roof. There was an artistic performance depicting the athleticism of the Games. There were singers, an actor who reminded us of the COVID pandemic, dance and song that depicted Japanese life, and countries parading into the stadium with their flags. Each country honoured one or two special athletes to carry the flag for their country. For Aotearoa, it was Black Ferns Sevens Captain Sarah Hirdy and Roa Hamish Bond. They each wore a special kakahi made by Master Weaver Ranui Nari. Dame Valerie Adams wore one at the closing ceremony as well. An Olympic flag was hoisted. The Olympic motto for the Games, faster, higher, stronger, together, was highlighted. The Olympic oath was read out solemnly by four Japanese delegates, and the participating countries took the oath. The Olympics' anthem was sung. Then the flag that had been carried by athletes around the world was brought into the stadium. It was passed to some Japanese young people, to a disabled person in a wheelchair, and then handed to their famous tennis star, Naomi Osaka, who took it up the many steps and used it to light the flame in the cauldron that burned throughout the duration of the Games. The whole ceremony was elaborate. It was breathtaking. It heralded the beginning of the most comprehensive sporting competition in the world. Well, the story of John the Baptist in our Gospel today is part of the fanfare or elaborate preparation the Gospel writers deployed to announce the significance of the one to come. John is carrying the flame up because his ministry is willing to inspire and Jesus chooses to begin his own ministry humbly by being baptized by John. So let's take a close look at John's role in the fanfare in preparation for the ministry of the one whom he said he was unworthy to even carry his sandwich. It is the Advent season in our church, the season before Christmas, when the life of the one to come is being heralded. Everything about John's role signaled who and what was coming. He was in the wilderness and not Jerusalem. He was in the barren desert region west of the Dead Sea and southeast of Jerusalem. It's part of the Palestinian West Bank today. He was not in the center, Jerusalem, the city of the kings. He was on the periphery, wearing camel hair clothing and a leather belt. He didn't wear fine garments, nor did he eat rich food. His food, his food in the wilderness, we are told, was simply what he could find. Locusts and wild honey. This was a sign. 
the one he said was coming, also came not from Jerusalem, but from the periphery. He was born in a country, for that is what a manger was, a place for a structure to feed livestock. He didn't even come from Judea, the province where Jerusalem was. He came from a small town called Nazareth, in the undistinguished province of Galilee. While we don't know what garments Jesus wore, he clearly lived a simple lifestyle and moved from village to village, living alternatively on open beaches around the Sea of Galilee, or hillsides, or as a guest in villages' households. So the first signal was not what people expected of a Messiah. There were no flags, no castles, no fine clothes, and no banquets. There was just a pointer to simplicity and humility. The second signal was that John came on the scene as a prophetic figure. The great prophet Elijah wore a hair garment, wore a hair garment and a leather belt around his waist. John, as we have heard, wore clothing of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. Like Elijah, he was an uncompromising figure, calling for people to repent because he said the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Elijah called people back to the one God of Israel from worshipping the gods of neighboring tribes, so John was calling them away from the externalities of temple worship and back to Yahweh. Metanoia, the Greek word to repent, means to change one's mind in a radical way. In Aramaic and Hebrew it's even stronger. It means to turn or completely change one's direction. This is the prophet who was not only preparing the way for the one to come, but also giving a taste, an appetizer, as it were, of the sort of call that he would make. That segues into the third signal. Our gospel this morning is not only, and not only compares John with the great prophet Elijah, who represents all the amazing prophets of Israel. But it also says, he is the one whom the prophet Isaiah spoke of when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. These are the beautiful words captured in Handel's Messiah that go on to paint a poetic picture of every valley being lifted up and every mountain being laid low. The uneven ground becomes level, and the rough places are plain. This is the majestic pathway poetically depicted by Deuteronomy Isaiah, a pathway out of exile and back to the temple and the great city of Jerusalem. It is also the annunciation of the pathway taken by the Messiah, where not only humanity, but all creation responds to his coming. The, first, the fourth signal was his challenge to the Pharisees and Sadducees. The Pharisees worked through the synagogues across Israel, promoting the study of the law of Moses and obedience to it. The Sadducees were the priestly party centered in Jerusalem uh, in the temple there. 
These two groups were among the religious elite, who with the political elite, in a theocratic state, made up the primary privileged groups. Around 90% of the society depended upon their faith. The ancient world was a very tough place. John was not moved by their coming to him in the wilderness and listening. On the contrary, he said, you prove vipers to the Pharisees and Sadducees. Bear fruit, worthy of repentance. Change your minds in a radical way. This fourth signal is about social justice. John did as Jesus always did. He spoke to the crowd and responded to them. But he also always turned to their needs, whose thoughtlessness and greed caused so much misery. He challenged them to use their influence to reduce suffering and to bear good fruit for them. It does not say he refused to baptize them. It just implied that a formal outward response to faith without heartfelt repentance was simply futile. Luke in his Gospel expands on John's notion of social justice. Before being baptized, the crowds asked him, What then should we do? He replied simply to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has two must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said, don't collect any more than you are required to. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. He taught people to be fair, to promote equity, and to live well with one another. So these four signals make up the fanfare for the coming of the Holy One at Christmas. Signal one was about simplicity and humility. Signal two was about the prophet who called people to change their minds in a radical way. Signal three was about people in creation preparing the way for the extraordinary event that was about to dawn. And the fourth signal was about being fair, promoting equity, and living well with one another. These are the repeated signals in all four Gospels. Embodied in the life of John the Baptist are the messages of Advent. Advent is about the coming of God. It is the time of preparation for the coming of God at Christmas. It is about what theologians call incarnation, where God becomes part of us and blesses all humanity. While the blessing comes with love, it also comes with messages of responsibility for all humanity. These are foreshadowed by John in the signals of the values and the flavour of what is to come. In one sense, it was not a magnificent display and fanfare like the opening ceremony for the Olympic Games, but in another sense, it actually went further. It displayed the faith and values that would come with the Christ. These are the values of Advent that the first Isaiah said would happen one day in the most poetic way. In 
inspired by the coming of the Son of God, the prophet said, and this of course is metaphor, but let it roll over. It is taken from our first reading this morning. The wolf will lie with the lamb. The shepherd will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will leave them. The cow will feed with the dead. The young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play in the cock with them and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all thy holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What a heritage we have.